You're listening to The Quad, a Killjoys podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And I'm Annie. We're talking about the eighth episode of Killjoys, Come the Rain. We will talk about anything and everything from this episode, but there won't be any spoilers for future episodes. First, we're going to give our quick reviews, and then we'll talk about notable elements and stuff that made us happy. And we'll conclude by discussing the questions we have after watching this week's episode. Starting with our quick reviews, I liked this episode. It definitely felt like a backstory dump, uh, but the A-plot I thought had some good world-building elements to it, so it helped even out the talkiness of the episode, and the talkiness, for the most part, I found interesting. And I was pretty pleased with the follow-up from the events of last week's episode, so yeah, I liked it. I really liked this episode. I thought it was a very solid follow-up to last week's episode that realistically portrayed Dutch, Davin, and Johnny's emotional fallout from what happened. And uh, the plus the ape plot with the storm, I thought was a cool device that really turned into an opportunity to talk more about the this building insurrection of the Westerlands and more of the politics, the class politics of the quad. And the special effects were really gorgeous this week, I thought. They were. They looked really good. So good. They're, I mean, they're good every week, but that storm was just gorgeous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a deadly storm, but it's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like like tornadoes and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Tsunamis. Horrifying, but pretty. Visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love this show. Like I really like the episode, but the show as a whole, I just I love the show. Can you tell? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, major stuff happened last week and they spent pretty much the whole episode processing it. Which almost never happens on TV, so thank you. <laughs> and they did that while introducing some new elements to the story, some stuff they'd hinted at before, and we got more information on it. And uh, I-, I thought they did a really great job of addressing the emotional complexity of this situation, because it's a weird situation. And I thought they treated it pretty realistically. And uh, I'm just, I'm so grateful for the strong supporting cast. I mean, the actors and the characters. I love that we have so many really just, you know, I'm trying to think of a good word for them. Like, I want to say dazzling, but they, they really, they're memorable. And they really just sort of catch your attention, these supporting characters. And we have so many of them. There's Potter, there's Pre, there, even though he wasn't in this episode, there's Fancy Lee, there's Alvis. You know, I love that it's our, the world isn't just, even though I love our main characters, it, it, but, you know, it's provides that much depth to this universe. The fact that we have such strong supporting characters as well. Right. And they feel very well fleshed out and, and distinctive, even though they don't necessarily get like a ton of screen time. I appreciate it. I agree with all of that. Yay. We also got a couple of comments about the episode from folks on Twitter. Richard said this was another great Killjoys episode. And I love, love, love Dutch and Johnny's relationship, as do I. As do we all, I think. Yes, we right? do. So say we all. <laughs> and then we got an email from Saga, who said, The only words I can use to describe that episode was epic. Johnny was the star in this episode, hands down. Lucy is so... I'm not sure what she means by this, but I like it. I'm going to go with it. Lucy is so mannerable. <laughs> I, I think it's well-mannered. Polite? Okay, there we go. Polite. Yes. Yeah. 
but I like it. Lucy is mannerable. I think I'm going to just start saying that. The Dutch and Davin dance, I love those two together. I've been shipping them from the first time they met. And the last scene with Dutch and Johnny, BFFs forever. We did also just get a tweet from Kittle asking us specifically to talk about the dance scene, which we will. Mm -hmm. We We will. will. We'll get there. For sure. So, you guys, I, I actually managed to, I, I, like, I took a screen cap and I zoomed in really, really close on that device that Johnny made. And it actually, it says the name on there. It, it's called the Perceiver of Lie or Truth, a.k.a. a PLOT device. And- <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was wondering where you got that name from. <laughs> I screen capped it and I zoomed it in really close. No, I'm kidding. I, I thought Stephanie so- was being clever. Or are you being clever? I am being clever. Okay. You guys. Oh, oh, dang it. Yeah. We are suckers, Annie. I am always a sucker. Suckers. You know that. I'm the most gullible podcaster out there. But see, it- here's, here's what threw me. I knew that Stephanie had been taking screen caps. <laughs> so I just, I wasn't sure. I should have known, though. Damn it, Stephanie. That is very, very clever. I'll give you points for that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, But, okay, this might bother some people, but I like it. I felt like they did that storyline with with a, in a knowing way, but not with a super, you know, obvious wink, nod, but they have this, (laughs) it's a plot device to force Dutch and Davin to work through their awkwardness. And then when the plot device is not useful anymore, they smash it to pieces. (laughs) I laughed so hard. I mean, it's the same thing they did in episode five with the the nanites. Mm -hmm. It's a plot device. It's a good plot device. But I just, I love that there was an actual device (laughs) that they then smashed when it was no longer useful. (laughs) I am. I am. I it, I laughed so hard when they smashed that thing. And then Lucy said, thank you. <laughs> I know. And I'm <laughs> that like, was that was it? They just had to smash it? But um, I did think that was very clever of Johnny to set that whole thing up. I like that element. And uh, I thought he looked really cute in those videos. And I was like... He did. I was like, how does he know what they're going to say? But I, I think that's just nice that he knows them that well. Yeah, I think probably we're supposed to fan wink that the machine could like read their blood pressure or whatever mm-hmm. to sense if they were telling the truth or not but whatever it's fine it's a it's a plt device it's it, it does whatever it needs to do <laughs> i thought it was just their fingerprints but i guess it's everything it, it it's supposed to be a lie detector oh, okay okay i got it <laughs> but we we learned some some interesting things through the the plt device we got to learn that Dutch shot Johnny when they first met, which makes sense, because didn't he say that he was trying to steal her ship? Yeah, I totally believe that. I could totally see that. And that, even though you're not a fan of flashbacks, Stephanie, that would be an interesting flashback to see, I think. That'd be kind of funny. I kind of feel like we don't need one. I feel like a flashback might make it worse, Mm -hmm. because I have such a great mental image of this now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So do I. we We have all the crucial information. Johnny tries to steal Lucy. Dutch catches him and shoots him mm-hmm. and then they become partners and then best friends and i love it oh and and i <laughs> i remember thinking when the ship first like stopped and and lucy was just like no we're not going anywhere i'm like lucy you're you're so helpful you just got finished being so helpful to davin when when dutch left the car go bay and she says dutch has left the cargo bay <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, Lucy, you're supposed to be helpful. What are you doing? And then I thought, of course she's helping Johnny. Of course. Oh, <laughs> what <good> is happening? <laughs> because whose side Lucy is she is on? Lucy is going to be Johnny's. a helpful, useful ship unless Johnny says otherwise. <laughs> so here, here's another thing. When it was revealed that Johnny had taken out a warrant for Dutch, I'm, I was kind of like, is he still allowed to do that after the trouble he caused in the first episode? Mm. And then it's like, oh, Bellish is totally in on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course, Bellish would I let think him she, do that. She was like, do I get to punch him in the stomach? I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> and I found it odd that Davin said, well, nobody actually takes the shot. And I'm like, what makes you think she wouldn't? Don't yeah. make an insincere offer to Bellish. Yeah, exactly. No. Don't do it. No. <laughs> But like you mentioned, Chris, I thought the the fallout from this week's episode, excuse me, the fallout from last week's episode was handled in an interesting way here. And it's turned more this week, I thought, into an interesting metaphor for living with someone with PTSD, where you know this person is volatile because of their PTSD. You don't know what's going to happen. But at the same time, it's difficult to blame them for their behavior because you know they got that way b- because of circumstances outside of their control. Right. And of course, he's still suffering from the guilt from this because he knows that he did it whether he meant to or not. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's all very complicated and tangled up. And and I love that it's complicated and tangled up because, as we said, that that's realistic. And it's, it's not just, oh, we're going to be like some – you know, show and, you know, so, you know, it's kind of jumping the shark, I suppose, but um, where they just gloss it over and six weeks later, everything's fine. And I'm like, yes, I love that the show did not do that. Though I, I do kind of wonder, I think maybe because of the shortness of the season, I actually was expecting them to try to act normally and maybe have them go out, all three of them go out on a mission this week. But the mission become in jeopardy because it's revealed that Dutch can't really trust Avin or, you know, Johnny can't really trust Avin. You know, they're trying really hard to go back to normal, but then they don't. I mean, it's fine that they went this route, but I, I do wonder what an episode might have looked like if they had gone that route instead. I think it could have been cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would have been cool. I am okay with them doing it this way, though, because this, you know, that would have been interesting, but I thought this was interesting, too, where they're like, okay, we're just not even going to get there yet because we know that we can't get there yet because mm-hmm. stuff has been weird already well i do like that they had an established timeline they said it's 10 days later and that johnny was still recovering physically because i hate it right. when they go oh it's 10 days later and i'm fine physically i can run and jump and do everything and that you know because i was worried about johnny johnny physically if he got into an altercation with the bad guys he wouldn't be able to handle himself as well as he usually does because he's still recovering from major internal injuries so i'm glad they addressed that a little bit realistically Mm -hmm. and then um for the scene where dutch and davin were throwing knives at bad davin i thought that was a really cool part of the plot device that Davin initiated, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't part of Johnny's, like, you know, plot device. And, you know, I thought initially, so he throws the knife, or Dutch throws the knife, and then Dutch puts herself in front of Davin. And I thought, uh, initially at that point, I thought, oh, you know, he's going to throw it and everything's going to be fine. But the fact that Dutch got freaked out and said no and walked away, 
I thought that was a really strong moment because, I, you know, for me, it's like, oh, Dutch is such a badass. She can handle it. But the fact that she couldn't, again, was so realistic and so just such a great moment because it shows that everything is not back to normal. And I really liked that, you know, that that one element in the plot because, uh, to me, it just really pointed out, well, if it can shake Dutch that much, which of course it would, you know, the element, the plot from last week, that... um yeah, I was really thrown by that. So I thought that was a good moment. I thought that was an interesting scene. And I don't know, I kind of wonder, though, because it is sort of an artificial scenario, it feels like Dutch is kind of challenging herself right, to trust Davin. Because I still feel like if they were actually out in an actual situation, and she she gave some example situations to Davin... Like, what if Klein was behind me? Mm -hmm. I need to know I can trust you. I think if it had been an actual situation, I think she would have trusted him. Well, and I think we got a hint of that at the end of the episode where Mm -hmm. they are going into the storm and they need to burst into action once Lucy's controls are back online in order to make it down to Westerly. And what do they do? It's like, you know, I'll do this, you do this. They get in their seats and they go. So I think the instinct to work as a team and trust each other is still there. Mm-hmm. So I, I do wonder when it came to that last question that they couldn't, that Dutch couldn't answer correctly. I wondered if the answer was more like Dutch wants to trust him, but she can't right now. Right. Rather than just a simple, I don't trust you or I do trust you. Yeah. Right. I think that's my feeling too, is, is that, you know, <laughs> I actually asked on Twitter, like, does the machine not accept I'm not sure as an answer? Yeah. <laughs> right. Because I feel like that's really where she is. And I think yeah. maybe she didn't necessarily know that. Because I think it is one of those things where I, I think she feels both ways. Right. Because it's possible to do that. <laughs> right. Because she wants to trust him. I think deep down she does trust him, but there's still this other stuff that's going on. There's still the feelings from stuff that happened 10 days ago. There is that amount of doubt just because of stuff that's out of his control and it's out of her control. And, you know, how do you deal with that? And I appreciate that the show's really making an effort to address it. Yeah, exactly. And how will, how long will it take Devin to trust himself? And there's that side of the coin. So I like how the show, again, made that not quite black or white. The episode did start off showing them both in sort of coping mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. With Dutch having what looked like to be the most boring sex ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It took me a second to realize what was happening. I was like, is she riding a pony? What is happening? <laughs> she was spaced out. So, <laughs> you know, kind of. Yeah. But, but no. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and maybe in the genuine sense, you know, riding <laughs> my pony. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's a song, Annie. Uh, it's, okay. a, it's a 90s song reference. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I did like the scenes where Davin was fixing the ship again to see all the physical damage he did. That's mm, how his yeah. way of processing. Yeah, I liked that the episode opened up with, with Johnny talking to Pre, like having a little heart-to-heart with Pre, and using that, that little conversation over the cuts to what Dutch and Davin have been up to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like Johnny and Pre scenes. Me too. I do too. I do too. And speaking of, Johnny had a really strong plot line in this episode. He was really driving the A plot. Mm-hmm. And it obviously led to 
him just feeling freaking tired of fixing everything. And it seemed specifically directed at Davin. And I'm not surprised that we got to this point because at the beginning of the series, you know, we see that they haven't seen each other in a really long time. Johnny alludes to the fact that Davin just basically peaced out and didn't talk to him for a lot of years. So it was surprising to me at first, until I kind of realized who Johnny was as a person, that he was willing to just welcome Davin back onto the ship and into his life so easily. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was a little surprised, but that Johnny had kind of reached his limit and walked away and he said, I'm tired of fixing things to Davin. But again, I thought that was a realistic uh, way for him to feel, especially after everything that happened. Everybody has their limits. He's not always going to be the happy-go-lucky lucky, oh, I'm just going to be here in Lucy and fix stuff, and this is what I do. And again, I I want more of his own story to be told, and I think this is kind of part of it. So, uh, but I like that. It makes sense to me that this would have been where Johnny was at his end, the end of his rope, though, because he had had such a good thing going with Dutch, and Davin broke a promise mm-hmm. to him and slept with Dutch, and now their team is all in in shambles. So it was, a, I think, an appropriate time for the fact that Davin deserted him to, le- to deal with his parents by himself. I, you know, I think it was an appropriate time for all of that stuff to come up and for him to say to Davin, you know what? I keep giving you chances. You need to fix this on your own. Yeah. And the fact that Johnny, I'm sure, had, you know, liked having Davin around after being away for eight years and that they were forming a team together, the three of them, and that they were having a good thing going. And now that's messed up as well. Right. And it is another one of those realistic things where, you know, past grievances always come up in present arguments, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I can see where Johnny's coming from though. You know, if this is a thing that he was willing to excuse just for the sake of having his brother back and, you know, I, I can forgive you for that, but then it's this new thing where you specifically broke a promise to me, and you know I can't let that stuff go anymore. Mm-hmm. You know why do you keep doing this to me? Yeah, and I did like that line at the beginning. He goes, "You bought me a comic, you know, to apologize for stabbing me." He, he's kind of like, "Really?" And I know Davin was trying to make his own little sincere gesture, but it's just not good enough anymore. Yeah. I think Davin came from was coming from a genuine place, and I don't think it was a a bad thing for him to do. I think it was a good start, mm-hmm. but it's not enough. Yeah, exactly. And I think it might have been taken with the the spirit in which it was given had the other stuff not happened. Maybe, maybe. You mean the stuff in the in the bar and all of that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I I could see it going either way, but yeah. You know, I think that stuff, yeah, the whole mess in the Royal, I think it just, it pushed Johnny over the edge and Johnny was like, that's it. I've had it. Well, that was a little shocking to me that Johnny just bam, 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 took out the three guys at the end. But then he's expressing his frustrations afterwards. He goes, I just got stabbed by my brother and all of this stuff just happened. So that's, that's part of it. But just that he would just take out three guys without a warrant. But it's also a life and death situation. How else were they going to get out of it? Yeah, but it's it is, I think, worth noting that back in the first episode, where he and Davin are confronting that monk who'd stolen something from the company, you know, Johnny puts down his gun and tries to negotiate with the guy where Davin just shoots him. Mm-hmm. 
in here, we have Johnny who chooses a gun over negotiation. Mm-hmm. So I think it is definitely a, a turning point for him. I'm hoping it's not a – I shouldn't say a turning point. I'm hoping it's not a turning point. I hope it's 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 something significant mm-hmm. that we need to take note of. And it will it's it explains why Johnny's relationship with Davin has reached a breaking point. But I'm hoping it doesn't mean Johnny is now struggling with keeping his basic humanity because I love Johnny with his basic humanity. Yeah, I was a little scared. That's why I was a little scared when he just went bam, bam, bam. And I was like, oh, God, Johnny. So, yeah, I have some questions about that, too, because, I mean, that was right before they let in the officers. So I don't know. Do, do we think that Johnny just felt like there was no other option at that moment? Because he'd spent the entire episode before that trying to be reasonable with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and saving the leader and everything. And they just weren't gonna yeah. do it, basically. Because yeah. they probably wouldn't have been able to let the company officers in with the guys still alive, essentially, right? Right? It would have been a bloodbath. Probably yeah. a lot of a lot of innocent people could have gotten shot. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I think it's one of those moments where, as much as anything, like they just didn't give him a choice, hmm. right? I don't know, but it's like could he have just wounded them or shot them in a different body part? I don't know, but it still would have potentially been a more dangerous situation than with the uh, company bursting in than if they were dead already. Yeah, it's just... It's difficult for me to tell if Johnny just felt like he'd run out of time and this was the only option left, Mm -hmm. or if he just got fed up with these people and couldn't have compassion with them anymore. Right. I mean, clearly he'd been pushed to that point already because, you know, he runs out into the rain for the little bolt gun thing. So, you know, it was clearly a plan that he had already, so... Really? I thought that he didn't know that the bolt gun was there until he was out there grabbing that dumbass company guy. Well, he says to the dumbass company guy, I didn't come out here just for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then the camera focuses on the bolt gun. That's right. So. Good, good point. Good point. Which is ironic because he runs out to save the company guy, but is it just because... Dumbass company guy. Dumbass company specific. guy. Excuse me. But is it just because Johnny's trying to be humanistic and save him or was it just to get the gun? Or a combination both. of both. And then did Johnny have any idea that... So at the end, is it the uh, company guy or is it the bad guy leader who gives um, Hunky Monkey all the plans? Not Hunky, hunky Monkey. Monkey. Hunky, hunky Monkey. Monk. Hunky Monk. It's the dumbass company guy. He gave him the plans. Oh, okay. That's why he had them. He was in the company. No. That's why Stephanie is calling him a dumbass. Yes. Which we'll get to. (laughs) So obviously we had already, I think, gotten a hint that Davin and John's father was abusive. But we also learned in this episode that their mother was an addict, a jack addict. And that was obviously introduced through Potter's addiction storyline, which I wasn't surprised by. Especially I think it was the last episode or maybe the episode before then where we got a little shot of some sort of bottle in a container that she then closes a lid down on. Oh, I, so I, I miss that. Yeah. So I, I wasn't surprised. And it actually, it I think it kind of explains some of her more impulsive behavior, the fact that she's an addict. Mm-hmm. And she did have a, a 
line in her, I think, first episode where she says something about, oh, well, we've got all the good drugs. Mm-hmm. We doctors have all the good have access to all the good drugs or yeah. something like that. She says mm-hmm. to Davin, so should have known. Well, how much had they mentioned Jack beforehand? I just found that really interesting how they said, well, one hit and you're addicted. They had mentioned it back in, ooh, I want to say episode two. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sugar Point Run. It was. Mm-hmm. They come across an old woman. And, and Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Dutch gives her something. They mention it also in the, the next episode. The next episode, The Harvest, when they're growing Jack out in the woods and it's very, very flammable and mm-hmm. Johnny, Johnny lights it on fire. And Johnny has to explain what it is to Davin. So I get the impression that the mother became a Jack addict after Davin had left. Hmm. That's a good point. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that's another thing, because Devin genuinely seems like a good guy, so I don't think he would have necessarily left Johnny alone in that situation. Yeah. If he'd known that that was going to happen, so. But now we know why Potter was kicked off of Crush. She is very lucky she didn't lose her license. But I, I thought that line was interesting she had about the fact that, you know, she's not a, she's not a savior the way that maybe... Some people think of her as she's she's just a rich girl who screwed up and ended up in a, you know, in the worst planet in the system, in the quad. Yep. I, I thought the stuff with Potter was really interesting this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did too. Well, and I love that the, you know, as we were saying, the supporting characters are really getting strong storylines. And it was good seeing her interact with Johnny, too, because I don't think we've really seen mm-hmm. all that much with the two of them. So yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Can I Can I say that? I kind of like Potter and Johnny. I wouldn't be sad if the show went there. <laughs> I agree with you, actually, because I thought they had a really good, interesting dynamic. Yeah. And, you know, Potter talking about her her tendency towards the bad boys and stuff. I'm like, Johnny might be good for her. <laughs> but then, then, of course, the whole thing about it turns out his mother was a jack addict. And I'm like, I don't know if that would that might be too much for Johnny, though. Yeah. <laughs> It's true, but that could that could make for some some good storytelling, right? Some good TV. But then, as you were saying earlier, true. Chris, it's like first Potter goes for Davin, and she's his patient. But then to go for both the Jacoby brothers, I'd be like, Ew. so. Well, that's why there's there's dramatic material to mine, I suppose. But that'd be really messy. So, but, but Davin just slept with Johnny's sister, so mm, yeah, <laughs> very messy. It'd be messy for sure. Yeah. But I, I, there was, I thought some potential sparks there. Yeah, that, I saw that them. That may just be me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's me and Chris, I guess. No, no, I, I, I totally saw them. I did like how okay. Johnny, you know, he could recognize a jack addict when he saw it in withdrawal and uh, that he took care of Potter. It was still taking care of her at the end. Yeah. As Johnny tends to, he approached it with compassion, mm-hmm. even though you could condemn her. Yeah. It's like a tit for tat. She took care of him and now he's taking care of her. Except Lucy's going to be hella jealous if that comes, if they sleep together. (laughs) I know. I know. I do worry about Lucy. Yeah. Lucy's going to be like, weapons armed. (laughs) I'll be like, no, 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 no. Johnny's going to be like, no, no, don't. (laughs) I'm sorry, John. My cargo bay door seems to be stuck. She will have to come back later. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, Potter. I cannot admit you into my cargo bay anymore. You are banned. We also, thank you, got some more Hunky Monk, got a glimpse into, a little bit more of a glimpse into 
the religious aspect of of life on Westerly. And I'm just so fascinated with all of that. You know, these, I think maybe the official, more official name is a penitent. I, I believe Alvis called himself a penitent rather than did, a scarred yeah. back. That's probably the slang name. But they almost seem like Jesus figures, right? Because they're like, you know, my my suffering, your salvation, mm-hmm. blessing mm-hmm. people with their own blood. It's just really interesting to me. I was thinking that too, though. It is interesting, but what does the religion have to do, and how does that mix up with people wanting a better life on Westerly and a possible insurrection? Yeah, it's very fascinating, this uh, mix of politics and religion and social classes. Because we get that all the time, you know, this the religion and politics in, in the United States. Religion tends to play quite a bit of, of a role in politics, uh, but it's not really – this type of role, you know, this this um, kind of revolution style, we the we the little people type of role. It's it's a little bit different than that. I am fascinated though by the the aspects of the religion because in addition to this whole Jesus like figure kind of a thing going on, there's all this talk about the trees. You notice people say, mm-hmm. you know, oh, thank the trees and. Hmm. There was the whole refrain of, and the roots grew, and right. all this sort of thing, which actually kind of reminds me of Lost Girl, which also created by Michelle Lovretta, because, you know, the the fae, the light fae, have all their... Sacred trees. Right. All the figures are, are named after types of trees. The titles, that's the word I'm looking for. All, all the titles are, are trees. I just thought it was interesting. And we also got a mention of gods. I believe Alvis mentions the gods. And so it's a polytheistic religion. Well, this is a random aside that I just thought of. Does the referral to the trees and the roots refer to like a more natural state of trying to connect to the earth and the way that it really should be versus the company that keeps destroying Westerly, Westerly and which brings about this acid rain were it not for them? just dumping everything on Westerly and leaving everybody to suffer. I don't know what the hell connection I was just making, but you know what I mean? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think I think you're right, though. I mean, I think there is some sort of meaning there, just because the whole thing with Crash is there's hardly any land left on Crash, mm-hmm. presumably because of pollution and such, human interference with the natural state of the planet. And now there's the whole thing where Westerly is sort of a dump Mm -hmm. because the natural resources are being used up by the company. So it makes sense that trees and that sort of thing would be sacred. Well, it's, you know, land and inheritance is very important in this world. But yeah, the physical Mm -hmm. land, obviously, and the possession of who has it is extremely important, which was behind the whole bad guys in this episode stealing the IDs just so they could get possession of the land, correct? Yes. But yeah, and, and there's like the whole thing in back in Vessel where they were talking about the vessels there being uh, or growing up pure and natural mm-hmm. or something like this on Leith. Like that was sort of the big deal about the vessels. Like they needed to be untouched by the polluted land of Westerly. Or Exactly. Yeah. So yes, I think that's relevant. And speaking of the horrible pollution, in this episode we get an execution by black rain. <laughs> yeah, 
Which was horrible. That was gross. It was. And, it was horrible. Yeah. It, I, I guess there's no rule on Westerly or in the quad against cruel and unusual punishment. Apparently not. Nope. But I thought it was appropriately horrible and horrifying. I thought it was, it's horrible. It, it's weird to call it, describe it as great, but I thought it was a great shot where we had the, the men suffering in the foreground and Johnny looking out the door in the uh, from the from the royal in the background and ugh, it was yeah it was chilling not, exactly it was chilling well and the fact that it's company driven that that's the form of punishment that they use and that they're like bolting the men down it, yeah it was horrifying and that if i were a westerlin i would want to rebel against company for choosing you know that's like yet another reason why i would choose to rebel against them so this building insurrection is very, very fascinating, and I'm really wondering how it's gonna, how that background is gonna collide and affect our characters with everything that they have going on and with the Klein storyline. But just how it's all gonna come together, I can't wait to see. Though if he's building an insurrection, Hunky Monk needs some brighter company contacts because that guy was a dumbass. You're at a covert meeting that people at the company aren't supposed to know about. And you go and you try to arrest somebody first without any backup. You're a dumbass. You're a dumbass. Because seriously, why wouldn't he at least try and do the meetup first? Yes. Thank you. You're stuck there in the black rain. Nobody's going anywhere. So he was there to Idiot. meet up with Hunky Monk to give him plans yes. because he's Alvis. Alvis yeah. because he's not really on the company's side because he's giving him plans. But why wouldn't I don't know. Is Alvis and the guys who stole the IDs were they kind of on the same side or they were just independently no. doing different no. things? Because I was a little confused about who was on what who was doing what at the end. So thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, the guys who stole the stuff are out for themselves, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. But they still have the same kind of reasons, I think. They're doing this because they're oppressed, and this this is how they feel like they can get ahead and get land and potentially get off Westerly, whereas Alvis has his reasons as to why, you, you know, it's just a bad situation to live on Westerly and to live under the thumb of the company, it seems. And that's why this insurrection is building. I think Hunky Muck would say the difference between the two of them is that he wants a revolution for all, mm -hmm. whereas those men specifically say, this is how I'm getting up in life. Yeah. Screw the rest They're of you. Take care. Of, I'm taking care of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But again, I just, as you guys say, I find it all fascinating now. So things that made us happy. They are talking about the stuff that happened last episode. Yay! I know I said it already. But it bears repeating. <laughs> but it's just, it's so refreshing to see that. <laughs> You know, it feels like on TV that just doesn't happen that often. Mm -hmm. It was also great seeing Bellish's reaction to what happened. Because I didn't even consider that, that they would give us perspectives on the situation outside of just our core group. And I love that we got that. I think that lent more of an insight into Bellish's relationship with Dutch. And it was great seeing her punch Davin in the gut. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. I, I do feel bad for Davin because it's not like he meant to do it. Yeah. But no. I, I mostly just appreciate that Bellish is just like so fiercely protective of Dutch. And it, it's one of those things like I, we all know that Dutch can take care of herself. Mm -hmm. We all know. But 
it's still it's kind of a gesture yeah. <laughs> on Bellish's part. Well, I love that Dutch is a character, even though she's such a badass, that has this really protective core around her of Bellis and Johnny and Pre, it seems, and even Potter, that you know, I love that line from the last episode where Pre said, Well, there's nothing much she can do to her our girl, and how he refers to Dutch as our girl. And I just I love that. Again, I love these supporting characters, but yeah, they're all on Dutch's side. But they all love Dutch as much as all of the fans seem to love Dutch. Yeah. So <laughs> And of course I I just I loved that dancing scene that we got between Dutch and Davin. And I'm on the record on this podcast of feeling a little uncertain about them as a romantic pairing. But I gotta say, during that dance scene, like just the chemistry that was there between the two of them mm-hmm. just i i found myself being hopeful that maybe they could make this work and it just all fell apart and dissolved so quickly but i thought that was a terrific terrific scene with a great song playing i want that song yeah i know <laughs> again the music in this episode is awesome in the show and i love that song and that was just that was a scene that to me was such a little bit of perfect happiness when Davin's like, well, things had been shitty. Yeah, things have been <laughs> shitty. And Davin's like, well, there was this one song they taught us for formal occasions. And I thought the dance steps were very, I don't know, I thought it was a very sweet dance. And then it's got those gorgeous shots of Lucy over the storm, and the music going and everything. And then it's like, no, oh, just goes, turns to shit again a little bit. And my heart broke a little bit, I admit. Well, they they started leaning in. I'm like, no, don't do it. It's too soon. I know. I know. They started it's leaning in. I'm like, well, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> and I was like, yes, but no. And, uh, yeah. It's very conflicted. Because, yeah, I mean, like, like Stephanie, I was concerned that they were going to make them a couple too soon. Like, it just, it felt too soon to me. But then, and I said this last week, I, I felt like the way they showed them really having this bond, feeling connected and and I mean, it was it was an emotional connection. Like I bought that last week. I can see why it would go there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. me too. I'm I'm okay with that. And uh, I liked their interactions this episode. I liked them a lot. Mm-hmm. Like they still have the emotional connection, but it's it's still so damaged at the same time too. And it's just oh, it's it's just wonderful to see in terms of acting and writing. And I'm just like oh, more, but. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter saying that they felt like the show had lost some edge since they paired up Dutch and Davin, which I find a weird thing to say since that happened all of one episode ago. But <laughs> and, and saying that they wanted to see the killjoys and not the romantic drama. And and I can get there. Again, I'm still on the fence about whether I would want Dutch and, and Davin to be a couple long term. Mm-hmm. But I just I feel like they're giving us these these gems of a scenes of scenes, which uh, to me makes me feel OK that they're going this route. I feel like the journey is is interesting, even though I might not necessarily want them to end up as a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. The, the journey is interesting because it's genuine, because it's not just again, last week is not just whitewashed over. It's it's a genuine reaction, and I think a realistic one, again, that Dutch has when she pulls away, when they're about to lean in. And I was just like, oh, no, oh, but that's probably what I do, too. Yeah, I think everything that's happened feels like a natural progression to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But we didn't know that Dutch could dance. I still want to see her 
do her fancy dancing that she learned when she was in the harem. Maybe someday. Do we know if if uh, Hannah John Common is a dancer at all? Is that maybe a skill she has that they're writing into the show, or just I wouldn't be surprised. Dutch, you wonder. know she sings, right? I, oh, really? No, oh, I oh, didn't yeah. know that. Oh, yeah, that makes she, sense though. She's got a great voice. That sexy did, voice. Uh, I hope she sings because <laughs> there was, you know, at one point earlier in our podcast, Chris, you said, "Oh, I'd listen to her read the phone book," and now I appreciate that because there's a line from last week's episode that I just found particularly sexy how she said it where she's talking to Delsea and she goes, you must be one hell of a snapper. And I'm like, Ooh, I, I like knew that it line. was going to be that line. I knew it. <laughs> Her line delivery on that was excellent. It was really good. I could listen to that line over and over again. I should put it as like a, a ringtone or something. <laughs> Can I also say, since we're going here, I found Dutch's outfits to be very distracting this week. <laughs> yeah, I saw you saying that on Twitter. <laughs> because, yeah, kind of see-through shoulder midriff-bearing top, and then and then her jammies. Her jammies were distracting as well. I gotta watch that again. Mostly, I'm just concentrating on the voice. Well, no, I did. Yeah, the midriff-bearing, but I gotta look at the jammies. Okay. <laughs> so so what I was going to say, though, about Hannah John Common singing, mm -hmm. she did the London stage production of, I don't remember the name of it now, there, there was a Spice Girls musical a few years ago. Really? She was the star, yes, or one of the stars. Interesting. This is my first knowledge of the Spice Girls musical at all, <laughs> let alone that Hannah John Common Oh yeah, it's a it. thing that exists. You can find footage of it on, on YouTube. <laughs> Suddenly wow. I hear clicking keys as Stephanie is looking up on YouTube. <laughs> She probably is. Yeah, she probably is. There was also a moment in regards to that Dutch and Davin storyline. It, it was a visual moment that I really liked. It was it was right after the dancing scene where Dutch is, is telling Davin that she feels so frustrated because if he had done, knowingly done what he did, she would know how to react. But because he's just as much of a victim as they are, she has no idea what to do. And in that scene... She's pushed so far to the left of the frame, like she's barely in the frame. It's mostly this big piece of the of the ship. And I just I really love that visual for how she's feeling in that moment. It it looks like she's just getting she's getting pushed off of Lucy, pushed out of the team. Things are just kind of going sideways for them at that moment. And I just thought that was a good shot to use for that that scene. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to go back and look at that. I I really like the shot where she was standing in front of the projected Davin, mm. waiting for him to see if he would throw the knife at her. Just the way the lights were reflecting and everything, I thought that was a very powerful shot because it was such a tense moment. I also really loved that underground tunnel. Yes. That Alvis and and, uh, and Johnny walked through. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Again, reminiscent of that hallway in episode five. Yeah, it looked to me like they almost repurposed the set because it was kind of the same weird oh, i mean this hallway. was much bigger oh okay yeah but much much bigger yeah this but, was freaking huge looking <laughs> but um yeah it was gorgeous but it, it echoes that visually yeah mm -hmm. i like it this show's so pretty i know it's really pretty and i was also just thinking i love all of the beautiful colorful lights that are in the the cockpit area of lucy like there's a shot of of dutch with all of these really beautiful colorful lights in the background it's just like oh so pretty the show's so pretty uh, we need more. That storm was so pretty. Like, from the planetary, above the planet kind of thing. 
even if it's horrifying on the ground. But yeah, the prettiest storm effect I've seen in a long time. Well, they had that great shot too from like sort of above town mm-hmm. or or from a high point. Yeah. Oh, in yeah, town. yeah. When the they storm was first coming show in, it rolling in. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying and beautiful, or as Davin says, beautiful in a nightmare kind of way or whatever it is. Yeah. Says. Yeah. 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 So jumping over to Johnny's storyline, I I loved seeing Johnny being protective of Potter and Pre and Alvis, like when he was pushing them to the back of the room, like this company dude's about to do something stupid. Yeah. I don't want y'all to get mm-hmm. killed. Yeah. That he's smart enough to do that. Oh, Johnny's so protective. I love it. Mm-hmm. I also liked Johnny's little pep talk to Potter. Yeah. <laughs> it was amusing, but still true. You know, he was a good pep talk. Sort of like vaguely comforting and yeah, he's like, that's not yeah. a very high bar. Like, no, it's not. But like, I'm right here with no, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he's he's supportive. But honest. Yeah. <laughs> and and he is, you know, just by that way acknowledging how much she's done for both of you know, her and or how much Potter has done for Johnny and Davin, so and then I like that really sweet scene. Again, pretty. She had this big patch of light hitting her head, Potter, the side of her head, uh, when when Johnny was sort of tucking her in, mm-hmm. when she was kind of coming down from her high. And yeah, I just love Johnny taking care of people. Aaron Ashmore is very good at that sort of stuff. Yeah. He he plays caring, compassionate guy very well. It's because yep. he, he was kind of like that on Warehouse 13. Oh, okay. And on Lost Girl. Yes, that's true. It's because Nate was always very... Maternal, not maternal, but nurturing to Kenzie mm-hmm. as well. It's because he has such pretty eyes. That man has the prettiest eyes. So I, I love it when the light <laughs> hits him and will hit Johnny in a shot, and that it really reveals Aaron Ashmore's eyes. I'm like, oh, so pretty. They are really pretty. Mm-hmm. Speaking of pretty, speaking of pretty. So when Hunky Monk <laughs> comes back in from the rain and he falls down on the floor, and Potter's like, you know, oh, he'll live. Alvis, are you okay? And he's like, black rain scars, the brothers of my order will be jealous. And he's crouched on the floor and his his biceps all flexed. I'm like, yeah, we get it, hunky monk. You're hunky and badass. We get it. And Stephanie appreciates it. <laughs> but I, I did think that was kind of, you know, cool makeup, but also really ew, how Johnny had the physical scars on his face and on his arms. Mm, yeah. But... Potter must have used her magic laser light thing, because later he looks fine, because Johnny ever says, thanks for patching me up again. Yeah. But obviously, Hunky Monk is not going to want to want him. He goes, no, my scars. I must look hunky, yet scarred. <laughs> That's something I actually appreciate about sci-fi and fantasy shows, is that they will provide justifications for why our hero- our heroes and our heroines heal so quickly without leaving any scars behind. You know, you watch these regular procedural type shows that are set in the real world and you just think how did they heal that mm-hmm. well <laughs> but here we can say oh they have these these handy dandy little things that rebuild their tissue and you know make them heal super fast which they show us in the first episode i yeah. think where mm-hmm. where johnny's like using something to heal his knuckles right but at the same time i appreciate that johnny wasn't just fine after davin stabbed him he still had yeah. to have surgery even if this is a couple hundred yeah. years in the future and that is still taking time to recover So I like that sci-fi is not just fixing everything instantly in this world. Yeah, for sure. They, I think they make a distinction between superficial wounds, which they can heal pretty easily, and then, but then there's still major surgery, and that's not just something that these people bounce back from. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the the light is basically a super fast acting neosporin in a band aid. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then, of course, what made me happy was that ending scene between Johnny and Dutch in her jammies, <laughs> reading comics. I just I love both the shots of their feet. Yes, kind of yeah, it's swinging up in the air. Mm-hmm. There's something really intimate because how many people do you let touch your feet? Not that many people. Mm-hmm. So when you when you see two people who will let their feet touch, it's like oh, those people really know each other well. Like they're close. They have a bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Ashmore doing all the voices for all the different comic characters mm-hmm. was so adorable. And that I like that that was the last scene of the show after it's such an emotionally fraught episode, but that still Johnny and Dutch are obviously retaining their comfort level and their relationship, that that is still okay. That that was really nice for me to see. I'm mad that you even think I'd be mad. I yeah. know. Yeah. I know. Aww. Love those two. But but of course they end on that line about whatever evil is mm-hmm. lurking or something. That's mm-hmm. not what it was, but it was something like that. Yeah. Yep. Which I think is a good segue into our questions we have after this episode. What is coming? Yes, what evil is lurking? And will it probably because you know will it show up in the season finale, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe at the end of the next episode to lead us into the season yeah, finale. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, what what will happen with Klein and what will it have to do with the evil that's lurking? Are they linked? And ah, so much. I, I'm worried about the character. So much future, future peril that could happen. Everything's fraught with peril because, you know, the team is split up now and what's going to happen? Exactly. Exactly. Because Davin left the ship, which I thought was the right thing and a nice thing for him to do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, but what does that entirely mean? Does that mean they're not going to be working together for a while as well? And and if that's the case, how are they going to repair their relationship as a team? How how will Davin repair his relationship with Johnny? Yeah, and again, I think that's realistic because, again, some shows just gloss over, okay, everything's fine. We'll stick together as dysfunctional as we are. But to have him leave, that's one part of the trio that – the story has already spent so much time forming up, and now that it's broken, I think that's, as you say, it was the right choice. But I'm worried about Davin, too, because I feel like, what if he just goes back into, you know, some kind of self-destructive behavior now that he's off the ship and without the support of his team and his brother, and I'm just worried about him in general. I do feel bad for Davin, because, you know, as we've established, like, he himself did not do anything wrong, really. Like, this was a thing that was done to him. Right. He is a victim of this. And he basically has to leave because of what happened with Dutch and Johnny. But Dutch and Johnny are the ones who have, well, for one, they have each other. And for another thing, as we were been talking about all episode, they have a very solid support group in in their friends in their home. So... Davin doesn't really have any of that. Davin pretty much just had Johnny and Dutch. So that might be an interesting thing for next episode to see what Davin is doing, just because, like, I'm curious about it. Where is he going to go? What's going to happen to him now that he is is separated from the only people he seemed to have? Yeah, and I'm just worried because it's like, how is he going to survive with all his lingering guilt and his PTSD issues? It's just, it's not good. So, yeah. And as a as a corollary, it's a stupid question to be a, a corollary, but it is. 
Did this episode reveal that Johnny and Davin were sharing the same room? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because we see we see Johnny and Dutch in bed, you know, and that looks like the same room that Davin was in. I mean, granted, they're on a ship, so it's likely their rooms are pretty uniform. I was say. But usually they try to cheat that with, with the way that they shoot the room to make them look a little different. They put the... You know, the bed in different places and stuff like that. But that looked like the same room that we've seen Davin in. Well, yeah, that'd be a little complicated then, wouldn't it? I know, right? I don't know. Lucy doesn't seem to have a lot of bedrooms. Which surprises me. She seems like a pretty decent-sized ship, but maybe she's just a two-bedroom ship. I don't know. I don't know. To be fair, there wasn't, like, a whole lot of stuff on Johnny's walls or anything. So, like, it could just be a separate room that looks the same. From what we've seen yeah. of it. For sure. For sure. I don't know. But I wanted to point out, we still didn't learn what Johnny found out about the neural link mm-hmm. in the last episode. So I'm hoping we'll get a little more information on that as well. That's right. There, so much stuff happened in this episode, I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. But yeah, I do want them to get back to it, which I, you know, they will. So we got some feedback more about last week's episode. I think we all laughed at this. <laughs> email is from Victor DeGrand. He says, I'm willing to give Dr. Yeager the benefit of the doubt until we find out the whole story. I figure she can't be evil because she's Amanda Tapping. It doesn't matter what she does or what she did to Davin because she's Amanda Tapping. Even if you see her sticking pitchforks into screaming babies, there must be a good reason for it because she's Amanda Tapping. So she can't be evil. And yes, I'm a Stargate fan. (laughs) (laughs) I only saw... Because I was looking at it in Google Mail and Gmail, and it shows you like the very beginning of the of the email in the little preview section. And all I saw was, I'm willing to give Dr. Yeager the benefit of the doubt. And I was thinking, man, he is way more forgiving than I am. <laughs> Until I saw his reasoning. I was like, okay, that's sound. <laughs> it's like, huh, that sounds like the kind of reasons we would give. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Though we didn't watch Stargate, so we don't have the connection to Amanda Tapping. But but we hear you, mm. Victor. We get where you're coming from. That sounds, yeah. that sounds like me. If the android turns out to be evil on Dark Matter, it's okay because it's Zoe Palmer. That'd be my reasoning. We know, Annie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or more like it's if you took Victor's tack, it's, she's not really that evil. She can't be evil. It's Zoe Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also got an email from Lou. Who said that uh, last he checked, he's the only one who has reviewed this podcast in iTunes and his review is feeling kind of lonely. So he told us to tell our audience to add another review. So if you would like to, we would appreciate it. You can go and review our podcast over on iTunes and you can you can give Lou's review a little bit of company. He did say please, by the way. He did. He did say please. Oh, well, thank you, Lou, because that's very sweet. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We have a lot of fun making them. That said, they do take time and money to produce. Our podcasts are free and we have no intention of ever changing that. And to that end, any contributions that you can make would be greatly appreciated. Please go to askgenretv.com slash support to donate. Thank you. We would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. You can send us your feedback to killjoys at askgenretv.com. 
Leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223, or you can record a voice memo with your smartphone and email it to us. We live tweet on Fridays during both the East and West Coast airings of Killjoys in the U.S. and Canada. Follow us on Twitter at Killjoys Podcast to chime in. We're also on Tumblr as Killjoys Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the quad. Bye.